Clifford Payne, Marvin Parkey, Steve Allen, Peggy Wallace. These are names that maybe a few of you know, but that more than likely many of you don't know. The reason I know their names is because of what they did for me. Now, if you were blessed to be a Christian in a Christian home, raised knowing Christ, basically being born and coming to church your whole life, and some of you have had that experience, I want to say to you, you have received a great, great blessing. And I hope you never take it for granted. But there are others of us who didn't have that, who were sort of adopted into the church family. And let me tell you what we're going to talk about today as we talk about one another, in my mind, is the most important aspect of church one-anothering that we can do. It makes an impact on earth and in eternity. And I think, indeed, it's something that only the church can do and do well. We're talking today about teaching one another. And our key verse, our core text, is going to be Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. So if you're following along in your Bible, and I hope that you are, uh, you want to just go to Colossians 3, 16. That will be our key text. We'll use other scriptures, but Colossians 3, 16 is where we're going to be. Now the church, as you turn there, we want to think about what the church does, what it is that we teach. And some would say, the Bible. Well, that's true. We, we should teach what's in accordance with sound doctrine. We should teach the scriptures. We, should, we make no apology for that. If you come to Bible class, you're going to learn about the Bible. If you come to worship, you're going to hear a lot of Bible. Your kids are going to get a lot of Bible. And those are good things. That's God's word. But let me back up and say to you, did you, you realize that there was a time in church history when the church didn't have a Bible? If they had one, there might have been just one for the whole congregation. Even if they had one, the more likely aspect is that most of the people in the church wouldn't even know how to read it. So, when we talk about teaching one another, what is it that we teach? Well, maybe, maybe we should shift it just a little bit. Instead of saying, what do we teach? Maybe ask, who do we teach? Jesus said, right before he left this world, he said to his apostles, he says, I want you to go into all the world and to make disciples, what did he say? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. It was their job to take Christ, to take the teachings of that rabbi, the son of God, and to spread them to all the world. That's what making disciples is all about. So their job was primarily to teach. In fact, in the first, uh, the account of Acts in the first church in Acts chapter six, the apostles had this problem in the church and they said, we really, this is the big problem about serving widows. It didn't need me to need to be neglected, but they said, if we take on this problem, we're going to neglect the ministry of the word and prayer. So it's important. And the apostles understood that. So who is it that we teach? Of course, the answer is very simple. We teach Christ Jesus. We teach his words. We teach his ways. John introduces his gospel in a way that's unique than the other gospels. 
Uh, the other gospels are very similar. They maybe start with a genealogy. They start with a little history. John goes all the way back to the beginning. In fact, if you're paying attention, you're a Bible student, you notice the similarity between John 1.1 and Genesis 1.1. He writes, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, when, when the Scripture talks about the Word, sometimes you and I just think about a book. John was understanding that there was the Word long before there were books or written language. So, so we teach the man, Jesus Christ, and not just the man, but the mission of Jesus Christ and his church. And at the end of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28, verse 31, if you're following along, Acts chapter 28, in fact, the very last book, uh, verse of the book of Acts is this. Luke writes, he's writing about Paul, and he says he lived there two whole years at his own expense, and he welcomed all who came to him, now this is verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and look at this, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. He, this is the mission of the church, to teach the teachings of Christ Jesus and to live the teachings of Jesus so that we may follow one another as examples of Christ. So we're going to talk this morning very quickly about three ways in which this happens in the church. So I want you to think about it. So going back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, you should be there by now. Colossians 3, 16, our key text, he says... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There is something about those ancient words, isn't there? If if you've been reading along in our Bible reading plan throughout the year, you know you read some from the Old Testament, some from Psalms and Proverbs and the New Testament. And I've read many of those verses many times. I've read the Bible many times in my life. I've studied it and preached it and taught it on Know Your Bible. And the word continually works in a way that no other book can work because of the one who inspired it, because of the one who authored it. They said of Jesus in his day that they came to hear him teach because he taught as no one taught. He taught as one who had authority, one who was an expert, one who knew the subject material By heart. Think about Jesus' physical words when he became incarnate. His his physical words, the, the words healed the sick. His words calmed the storms on the Galilean Sea. His words made the dead rise to life. That's the power of the words of Christ. Now, now he did all of that in here, but the greatest work I'm convinced he'll do is in you if you'll let his word sink in. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. The last part of that is really important. We have come with open hearts, so let the ancient words impart. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I, I want you to turn there because I know when you hear me say 2 Timothy 3.16, especially those who've been in ministry, you think, ah, I know, I know 2 Timothy 3.16. Well, I don't even need to turn there. 
But I want you to turn there and listen again with fresh ears and an open heart to what Paul said about the word. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for recorrection, and training in righteousness. Now look what he says in verse 17. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If you want to be fully equipped for the for the life that God has in store for you, what Jesus would call the abundant life, then you have to let the word do its work in you. Not just read it, not just hear a sermon preached, but live by it. That makes all the difference. That we might be thoroughly equipped. So first, we talk about teaching one another. We have to let the word work in us. I don't know how you're looking at your Bible this morning. Are you, are you looking on a phone? Are you opening a book? My question to you is, when in this past week did you open those words, read those words, meditate on those words, think about those words so that you could apply those words? This is why the church whether it's in Bible class, of worship, small group, youth group, all of the ministries that we have usually have some aspect of the Word because the Word is what works in our hearts and in our lives. So it has to start there. Now, let's continue and teach one another. We're singing some songs this morning that have Scripture embedded within them because before the time when the church had a Bible to read, Before people could even, for the most part, read the word, they taught one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Let's do that now. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my Bruce Dimmick, Mark Hass, Tom Henry. These were people that not just didn't just show me the word, they taught me how to understand and read and apply the word. The second aspect that we think about is that once we understand his word, Then we have to move to understanding his ways. Back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. This is what we do together. This is something that really, I think, happens more than just in the pulpit. The pulpit's a part of it. But we teach and we admonish one another about what the Word says. Priscilla and Aquila taught Apollos the way more accurately. They were doing as the church what the church was intended to do. We as the body, we think, we study, we teach on, and we model Jesus. And there's a reason we do that. If you want to know it, turn to Colossians chapter 1. Just two chapters back, Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 
Paul writes this after speaking about the preeminence of Christ and his ministry within the church. What does he write? Verse 28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Why? That we may present everyone mature in Christ. I've told you before, but it bears repeating. I I, I had Tom Henry, one of those names, was just a Christian man. He worked at Boeing. He, he, He wasn't trained. He wasn't accredited. He had no formal theological instruction. But he would sit toward the back, so right about where Richie is sitting. And every time I taught, he would fill out his Toastmasters form and give me notes. And and those notes were very encouraging, but also instructing. He would would say, you did this really well. The first few sermons I did at 15, 16, 17 years old, he would, I mean, it was just all the praise, all of the, and I just thought, man, I've just got this preaching thing nailed. I didn't, of course. But Tom was being encouraging. He saw potential. Then he began to add some things, work on this and try this and think about this. Then he would take me along with him and we would go on Sunday afternoons and go to congregations in and around Kansas that could not afford a full-time preacher. These are places where Tom had been preaching. But rather than Tom just doing the good work, he continued to pass that on to the generation. Toby, why don't you come with me and we go out to Peabody and preach? Well, I thought that was quite a quite an invitation to preach in the city library for five people. But he was teaching me. We have an opportunity as the body of Christ to teach one another so that, as Paul said, we may present everyone mature in Christ. Are you a part of a ministry? Maybe women walking with God. Maybe you teach down in the uh, safari wing. Maybe you're helping with loft. Maybe you're in the youth group. I, I don't know what ministry are part of. If you're a member at Northside, you should be active and engaged in some way. I don't know what that ministry is, but let me encourage you to do something with it. And that's this. Find someone who's younger than you and invite them to come alongside you and walk with them and teach them. Not necessarily expositing the word, but modeling for them Christ so that you may present them more mature in Christ. If the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, something amazing. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ Jesus. Now think about this. This is Paul we're talking about. A Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, trained under Gamaliel, he was a sharp guy. He knew the word inside and out. But when it came to calling the church at Corinth, he said, follow my example. And we in the church should be the same way. Who, Who was it that taught you the ways of the Lord Jesus? I mean, for me, I'll give you a few of them is Clayton McCullough. Clayton McCullough teaching me the example of serving. And Clayton was a shepherd. He's not currently. But even when he was a shepherd, he would still come in here early in the morning and sweep out the front area there, vacuum if it needed to be done, 
Come check the level, pH levels in the baptistry. Make sure it was clean and ready to go. Could somebody else have been doing that? Sure. Should somebody else have been doing that? Absolutely. But Clayton did it because of his heart for serving. That's good. That's an example. I I think of uh, Edna McCumber. Edna McCumber, I was just chatting with before services today. And she is an example to me of Christian joy. She, she, she always has the most pleasant and thoughtful fact today. She said, I said, how are you, Edna? It's so good to see you. She said, I'm enjoying the liquid sunshine. And I had to think about that for a second. What, wait a minute, Edna, what do you mean there? She said, the rain. And I'll forevermore think of rain as liquid sunshine. Isn't that good? See, Edna just impressed all of us by an example, but just an encouraging word. That's why if you're watching online, we're grateful that you're watching online, but it is so much more impactful when you are here and with us. And so if you're able to, why don't you invite you to be here in person because we need your example. That's how we learn from one another. If you've been asked to teach, I hope you said yes to that opportunity. Because you know our kids, how are they going to learn if no one will teach them? Oh, you don't understand. I'm too old for that. I'm, that's past my, I'm in the age of retirement now. And right here, I know there's a verse where it says about Christians can retire from their service to Jesus. It's just, let me find it here. It's second opinions. Chapter two is where it is. (laughs) You have an opportunity, you see, when Anita asks you or Doug asks you to teach. To make an impact. I've been thinking about Mary Allen and Stacy Yolman, who've been teaching the kindergarten. They've been teaching a almost coming up on a generation of kindergartners. Now, you and I all remember our kindergarten teacher, don't you? Those kids are going to forever remember Miss Mary and Miss Stacy, who taught them the ways of God and the words of God. So we have opportunities to teach one another, and I hope that you are taking advantage of the opportunity. To make an impact in the way that someone else made an impact on you. Who was it that taught you the ways of Christ? Who was it that led you and showed you what it meant to be a Christian? Now you have somebody in mind. My question is, who are you leading? Who are you setting the example for? It's somebody. The question is, will you take that stewardship of that example seriously? Let's continue teaching one another again. Twelve tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Part of that is our spiritual act of worship. And and that's our third way in which we teach. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul continues... Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There's a reason that we sing to one another. It's impactful. It makes a difference. If you've ever been to a church where it's congregational singing is not a part of it, where the direct, maybe the indirect message is, You just sit there and let the professionals run the show. 
We've got professional preachers. We've got professional singers. We've got professional performers. All you have to do is sit back and take it easy. That's not the way they worshipped in the first century. They were singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Ephesians chapter 5, a verse that you probably know on this subject. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. Paul says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He kind of writes it in the same way he does in Colossians. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I've been to performances when it came time to worship. I couldn't hear myself sing, let alone the person next to me sing. But I'll never forget my sweet great aunt Donna singing, How Great Thou Art. When I didn't know anything about how great thou art. But I was learning from her beautiful voice and more importantly, her beautiful heart. That's why we sing. People come if they've never heard the Church of Christ and they've never been a part with it, maybe even in a wedding or a funeral or worship, and they say, wow, you all can sing. And I'll, they're talking to me. I'll say, yeah, we got the best 600-member choir in town. There is, it's more than just how we're doing it. It's why we're doing it. Yes, we are giving praise and worship to God above. But also in doing that, we are teaching one another. And God's brilliant in doing this. He knew the power that music makes on us. How it is that we can etch things into our hearts through song. I'll give you an example. Tell me if you can finish this jingle. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that. Now, <laughs> do you know when that jingle was written? 1986. Almost 40 years ago. But Kit Kat has put something about the quality and goodness, and it is good, of their candy into your heart through a simple, silly jingle. That is the brilliance of putting something to music. We are farmers. Are we starting to get it? Now, we're talking about small things like insurance and candy bars, but people get paid millions of dollars to find a catchy enough tune to get their product or service into our hearts. Now, think again as Paul writes these words, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody to the Lord in your heart. God knew what he was doing. What can wash away my sin? You see, you were just taught theology there. You were taught about the atonement, and you didn't need a theological degree. You were taught by a hymn, sung to you, maybe by a guy like Mark or Charles, but more likely 
by your family sitting next to you, by your youth group sitting in front of you and behind you. That's how we teach one another. Singing matters, not just for small things like candy bars and insurance, but for big things like the power, the majesty, and the glory of God. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in... I was thinking about this on a fifth Sunday. A fifth Sunday night, we usually come together just to sing. Uh, Memorial Road up down in Edmond does a wonderful thing called Wednesdays of Worship, where they just sing on Wednesday nights. It's powerful. Why do people love that? I was, I was thinking as we were singing that there were so many of the parts where, where they would pick a hymn number and they would say, okay, turn to Psalm or hymn number 444. And I'd look at it and I'd just close it. I wouldn't even need to look at it because it was already here. How'd that happen? Because it was sung to me again and again and again through the church. I'm so glad that Karen is nodding during this part, the music teacher. She understands. Singing makes a difference. Wander down the hall sometime into our children's wing and watch how they teach the tiniest of babies. My wife's doing that right now. And I said, how do you teach little babies who can't even speak yet? She said, oh, it's all in the singing. As soon as you start singing, they know. They know. They, you're communicating with them in ways that we can't even understand. Kids learn musically. There's a whole music in memory. If you love to sing, you should go down there and ask Anita if you can be a part of that. The youth group, you know, one of your favorite memories at teen camp is the singing, whether it's by the, 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 the lake there or it's in a devotional. It makes an impact. And that's why singing matters. Because we're singing about the glory of God, but we're also teaching one another and making impressing this on our hearts. Even older people, people with fading memories, are not beyond the reach of music. I want to ask the guys to bring the lights down and and turn the sound up for an interesting story about 87-year-old Gladys Wilson. Now, Gladys Wilson doesn't communicate much with this world. She has advanced Alzheimer's. For the most part, she is in her own World. She's largely unable to communicate, to talk at all. But I want you to watch as a woman named Naomi connects with her in a very unique and powerful way through music. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible. I use music because when speech is gone, music, especially with Gladys Wilson, it was religious music because there's emotion tied to it and safety tied to it. So I used her old church songs. Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. What I did was, when she moved, I moved with her. And when I was singing, because she didn't sing with me, so I matched the intensity of my voice to the intensity of her movement. 
And pretty soon, for a split second, we became one person. Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. So at one point, when she got very quiet and very peaceful, and my voice became very quiet as hers and very peaceful, and my breathing slowed to her breathing, she pulled me to her, and I moved with her. And for her, at that moment, I believe I was a symbol of, of her mom. Can you open your eyes now? Do you see me? Feel safe and warm? Yes? Can you sing with me? He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 He's got the mothers and the fathers. He's got the mothers and the fathers in his hands. He's got the mothers. The breakthrough doesn't happen every time. The person will not always look their, open their eyes and look at you. But if you keep trying and you send, keep centering yourself and uh, really look at that person and really mirror their movements, maybe not this time, but the next time you come, you'll have a communication. You feel safe? You feel safe? Yeah. With Jesus? Yeah. Maybe now you understand why the good Lord told us to sing and to teach one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs because music reaches deeper than the mind. Music reaches deeper than the heart. Music reaches down to the soul and implants the very words and truth of God. We're going to spend the remaining amount of our time continuing to teach one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual, and spiritual songs. His word, may it continue to dwell in us. And may his ways continue to work through us. And may we be devoted... That's why being here matters so much. Being devoted to teaching one another about the words and the ways of Jesus Christ. We do that in song. We do that in message. We do that in Bible class. We have so many opportunities. It's just simply up for us to take a hold of them. Well, the truth of what she's saying there is a simple children's song, but it resonates to 87-year-old ladies with Alzheimer's. Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. The question is not, does he love you? My question for you is, do you love him? Have you, have you decided to, to submit to him and yield your life to him and obey him and walk with him that you might die with him in the waters of baptism so that you might be raised to walk in newness of life and someday be raised to eternal life through Christ Jesus? 
We will not, we will have a, a song, and so if you do have a need, you can go to the back and our shepherds will be there, but we're going to continue to sing, and so we want to make the shepherds available to you during this next song. So let's go ahead and stand and sing at this time. <laughs> 